Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. been on for an hour or two and you still haven't figured out how to do it <laughs> it's only a minute late that's good better well <laughs> late than never <laughs> well done good afternoon hey how you doing very good let's awesome. drink all right let's start with the wine uh ladies first <laughs> what do we have to do this week we had to do a chardonnay from the hunter valley this week yeah 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 that's all we have to do chardonnay from the hunter valley so this is a pulled rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, need I say any more? <laughs> I told you before we started. I, I called it. I called it. Yeah, you did. But you know why? You know why? Because I bet yeah, we all went to Dan Murphy's, and Dan Murphy's need to lift their game in Chardonnays from the Hunter Valley because there's You're about four on. choices, and there's the cheaper and then i figured you know it had you'd have to spend the most i went to a different dan's and normal, oh. the dan's i normally go to has quite a few so i thought i'll be sweet and when i got there that was it was more like one or two yeah and the other i picked up three bottles that were from the hunter valley uh wine cellars but the the grapes yeah. that i were getting for the wines were from other places so that's what i did too yeah, yeah. <laughs> what years what year are your two well, we've had so we've had sixteen before, and we've had eighteen before because I brought them both. So mine's a twenty-one this time round. Mine's twenty-one. Oh, twenty-one. <laughs> <laughs> so TLs, is, TLs is either going to be a Ernest Hill, a Scarborough. Uh-huh. You let me finish in the bargain. And the reason yeah. he picked Hunter Valley Chardonnay is because that's all he's got in his wine fridge. I know I've seen it, so he didn't have to go anywhere or do any effort whatsoever. So Mar- bargain. Margaret was in my, my dance, which I almost picked up. Same. Yeah, but it's not. Oh, yeah. You would have yeah. lost because the Margaret and Chardonnay in dance at the moment, the grapes don't come from the Hunter Valley. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. But see, your 2021, that's really young. This here was the last one before the drought. What year is it? And, and, the, and, the, and the flood, and I'm sorry, and the, the fires. What is, year so what is it? 19, must be 19. 19, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we spoke about that house many, many times now. And uh, Jeremy Scarborough is a beautiful man. Uh, anyone who ever plans a day in Hunter Valley, you have to go to Scarborough Wines. Really nice people. We did the podcast, and we got a pod. If, you, if people go looking through, we interviewed. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. And I mean, and and they've got two houses. You have to go through. Uh, they they don't be doing now the what is it? the degustation in uh, the other place uh close to broke road mm-hmm. and it's very very professional and right? you've got rooms everything set up you've got table you've got uh, a plate with all the cheese and everything it's really nice and professional yeah. you know where we ended up in charlotte and we got no fault with the hostess 
No, no, it's not the place. It's not the place. <laughs> I reckon that's the place. All right, cheers. <laughs> cheers. You guys <laughs> bought the case and shared the case and get it. <laughs> we'll do that next week. <laughs> when Charlotte said it, I, sort of, I laughed, I laughed. I couldn't believe it. Uh, no, that's nice. Have you guys actually had that before? Bloody nice. Yeah, if you're listening, I said we've had it three times. No, but didn't you say different years? No, I haven't had the 21 before now. That's actually nice. Like it, I was reading how it said it had the hint of cashew taste, and it actually really does. Usually, when they say that stuff, I can't even tell, but I can. You shouldn't bag Vivino because they're going to sponsor a show, but their ratings are so misguided on that bloody thing. It's only 3.8. That's a beautiful chart, mate. Yeah. It's, it's, taken, it's taken over quite a few different vintages. And it depends. It's not off the one vintage. So no, you... but the, the later ones, mate, the later ones we had, the 16 and the 18 were well over four. I think one was a 4.3 and one was a 4.4. Yeah, but this one hasn't got enough um, votes to give it a, a, a proper rating. So if you That's have a look the at the ratings, they've taken them off different, um, di different vintages. It yeah. doesn't work properly on this one. It all depends on how many reviews the wines actually got. Yeah. Anyway, all good. Well, actually, actually, yeah, it is not. But overall, it's a three point eight. Yeah, mm. which is rubbish. Yeah. Where mine is a four point four. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for sharing, mate. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's, it's hey, can you show me whether it's got a blue dot on it, TL, please? It, it, just enjoy your case. Just enjoy the case. Blue dot Who's the blue dot? Yeah, you got me. Oh, did, you go, did, did you go? Did you go? You know, I actually find it quite hilarious because, um, and I hope the Luangs don't mind me saying, but eldest Luang, who's been, well, not eldest Luang, eldest boy Luang, who's been stealing wine off his parents and everyone else for as long as he's been alive, has decided now that no one else is allowed to touch his, so he's invented the blue dot system where all the ones that he now buys because he's finally <laughs> his pocket, has yeah. a blue dot on them and, and uh, uh, whether it's Alex or AL written on it so that no one can return the favour. He's been doing it for 20 years. But, <laughs> now all the wines he buys with dad's credit card aren't allowed to be drank by anyone. But his... oh, stop oh. it. No, I'm serious. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, you're kidding yourself, brother. You're no, Alex, you're kidding yourself. The blue dot. Anyway, <laughs> he's a you've got a gripe. You got something you want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, as we said uh, a few weeks ago, if if anyone's got an issue, they can bring it up to to us, and then we're going to try and apply a little bit of wisdom and have a bit of discussions. And I, I heard from uh, some parents that uh, there's a school. It's the uh, Saint Justin uh, Catholic School in Orland Park. And what happened in the school last week is that uh, some, some kids apparently have been graffitiing the, the, the bathroom, the toilets. And because obviously the school's a bit upset. So now what they've done is not to just try and find the culprit, but they decide to punish the entire school. Every kid before they can use the bathroom now must be thoroughly checked by someone, a teacher. And and I think there's a lot, uh, quite a few parents who are jumping up and down. I don't know. Uh, so they brought it up to us and I thought, hey, we'll put it to the, our wisdom. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I know it's a big problem in schools. Like my, my kids have all gone to the Catholic school up here and even there, which they're really, really strict and great school. But I know it's a continual problem with the graffiti. Um, the kids, kids knock the 
the taps off and all things like that. But I don't know. That's almost like that's almost like feeling like a jail thing that happens, isn't it? Like I don't know. <laughs> it is. It's. I was about to say that. And how are they searching? How are they searching? Yeah. How do they? How, do are that? they going through metal detectors? How are they sort of? Is it a body? Is it a? Because you're not allowed to put their hands on the kids. That's right. They're not allowed. Dressing them up as older boys, Chris, and then it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't hear that, mate. What did you say? I said they're dressing them up as older boys, which makes it okay. Oh, I've got so many. I thought it was funny when I heard that. I thought first it was funny, and then I thought, hold on, what if it was my kid? Uh, you'll see me in that school straight away because that's the closest thing to putting a star on someone so that they can be identified here now you imagine you're 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 in a hurry you you have to go for that week but no you have to queue because we're taking our time making sure that everyone that no one's gonna like as if now they're gonna graffiti the bathroom for sure they're gonna graffiti somewhere else and then what? We we also gonna check them in when they're in the classroom. We also gonna check them when when they come to school. What, what are we doing? Uh, and and the question is, is isn't it then reflective of the culture of the school? Maybe the the, the school should look at their leadership and look at doing things differently rather than lining up kids. I mean, what are we teaching these kids to become? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think the the overall the harder fix is the culture issue, like you said. The easy fix. Is it's to punish everyone? No, no. Well, no. It's, it's even easier. Just put a bloody fake camera or a security camera outside the front bloody door of the bathroom and work out who bloody graffiti the school. That's the easy fix. For who are you checking? Uh, yeah. Obviously, you can't well, have cameras in bathrooms. That was my first thought. And I went, oh, hang on, that's not. No, but Cam, I but, actually, um, actually think you can because I'm pretty sure my son said that that's what they did at his college. They put oh, the camera. If they do that on down the school not, as well, because not in the stalls, obviously, but just in the entrance, so they can see who's in and out and what time. So and the bathrooms get checked off, like in McDonald's. So someone has the job of going in there, checking, making sure, and then if they can see on the oh, the graffiti wasn't there last hour, but it is now. They just go back, roll the camera, and who was in there. But you know what? Even old school. I remember when I was at school, we used to smoke in the bloody toilets, right? And the teachers got obviously wind of it uh, i suppose they could smell it all they did was increase the patrols into the bathrooms yeah so as i'm patrolling the, the yard they'd walk into the bathroom four times more than they would usually would so then we had to move somewhere else i mean so there's there's so many other ways and forcing kids to empty pockets and doing a pat down like they're going through freaking security at an airport yeah seriously they, how old are the kids? What are they? It's primary school or secondary yeah, school? Yeah, primary school. Primary. Primary oh, school. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Seriously. I'd just love, I'd love for one of the kids to still sneak a pen in there and just write on the wall, I win. And then <laughs> you didn't check the crack. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be the more rebellion. It breeds more rebellion when you do stuff like that. I I I I went to a Catholic school and a couple of times they cra- tried to crack down on different things and both with male and female, the, the girls were wearing their shirts too short, their skirts too short. And yeah. The guys were doing um, stuff they shouldn't have been doing. So they'd sit us down at assembly, like year nine, Mrs. Houtman at year nine sat down at assembly and called all the girls in the school sluts. Yeah. And, uh, wow. 
and what the crackdown did, mate, the girls just fired up and it, it got worse than ever. And every time they tried to crack down on us with anything, so it's it's about the culture. Um, and if you can't, you can't uh, amend for your lack of leadership or lack of, lack of supervision or lack of culture by punishing the kids, you'll never win. You'll never win. You know, when, when you have a look like most players before the All Blacks used to just throw their, their, old, their, their dirty jersey on the, on the ground. What do the All Blacks do? They, they, they hang their jersey even after the game. So it's a question of culture. What, what worries me is that school like that like St. Justin's uh, Catholic school, I'm just thinking, are you really looking at the ramification of what you're doing? What are you teaching my children? You know, what are you teaching the children? What, what, what else are we going to start um, monitoring like this? What else are we going to do in check, you know, a buddy check, a touch and feel kind of check? I mean, what else are we going to do after this? Mm. And I think that, That then worries me not just about the bathroom, but about everything else we do. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, what advice would you give the parents? I mean, what 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 would you say to the parents to do? I mean, apart what what are you, what are you going to do? Write to the Catholic board, um, the archdiocese, and have a a whinge and a moan to them. I mean, obviously there'll be some repercussions from that. But but what else? I mean, there's. I think as as parents as parents. It's all about unity and the topic that we're going to talk about today. They, instead of being individual, you have to act as a team. And parents should really all walk in there. First of all, they all have to use the bathroom and see whether they get checked. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they just have to make their point. Yeah. Sure enough. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's pretty man, interesting concept because you will get, there's a lot of in school parents, um, groups there's a lot of piss and wind too there's a lot of people who will talk a lot but do nothing about it so trying to unite them you'll get people who don't care you get people who care too much and then people in between probably um are the voice of reason but probably won't get involved because they're usually the voice of reason so um i don't know if anyone stopped my kid going to the toilet there'd be dramas i don't know what sort of dramas but <laughs> probably nothing that can be nothing that's going to help anybody mm. anyway Anyway, so that was a subject for the week, and hopefully the parents been who's listening to this can see that uh, we've shared uh, a bit of wisdom and a lot of wine. Don't, don't take it seriously. A lot of the same wine. Well, a lot of the same wine. Wine, wine, wine different. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the same wine. We're yeah. united. Yeah, 100%. We're united. All right. So this week, uh, didn't realize I was opening a can of worms, but I've opened one. So. We're going to discuss the salesperson's dilemma, how to work as a team while also working for yourself. Mm. Uh, it's something that, especially in our industry, is, is something we've got to deal with every day. And as a salesperson, you have to deal with within yourself. As a manager, you have to deal with as part of a team. And as a business owner, you have to deal with as part of a culture. So obviously, we're in a game where the individual is rewarded for result. Um, you know, the person who sells the house gets the commission, yeah? The person who lists the house gets the commission. Uh, we, as leaders, managers and individuals set goals a lot of the time based around income and based around those results. Um, and yet we expect or hope will come harmoniously into an office environment where 
everyone is out after their own uh, money and workers won. So does it happen? How sh should it happen? And how do we make it happen if we think it should? They were sort of where I was going with it. But the more I uh, thought about it, I started arguing with myself. So this should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thoughts? Well, like you, Cam, I think there was a lot of them. And yeah, I think that the, essentially at the end of the day, what people, people are, whether they're in a team of three or four or 20, you still are your own business within the business in a way, aren't you? Because you're still responsible for your own actions, your own, I mean, you can train with the team, but if you're not training yourself outside of that team as well, you know, you're only going to remain at a particular level, aren't you? So you're still a business within the business, essentially. But I've always been a believer, if you want to, what is it, what's that quote? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, you know? And um, I think, yeah, I think there's, there's particularly in our industry, there's agents that um, probably would rather stay working on their own than have the assistance of, the other people around them because perhaps there might be a little bit um, con like control freak if, if you like. Um, but I just think, you know, how, how much has it changed recently with, you know, these, how many agents do you see now with these pods and things like that, where they've got all these assistants around them and, you know, many hands make light work. So is that right or wrong? I don't know. You know, the pod is an example too much of a team, especially the way a lot of them are run, where there's someone sitting on top of that pod and the rest are picking up the scraps. But sorry, mm. Chris. Huh? When, you, when you put this topic forward, I had a look at it and gone, oh, then I've really thought about it. When I come down to it, I've gone, you know what? It's going to come down to the individual office on how you would answer this question. And if you're in an office with bad culture, You'd want to be by yourself. You'd really want to be alone, wolf in a in an office with bad culture, because it is dog eat dog. It's, it's you know every man for themselves. But in a team with good culture, uh, with a, a a set of written rules and a set of unwritten rules, which would be you know make up that you know really nice culture within an office. There are so many advantages for working in a team. Absolutely. Um, and then off the back of what Lou was saying, you really are your business within a business. But by the same token you're going to go further with a team. Uh, what's the old acronym? Together, everyone achieves more. Yep. And, and it's, it's, it's proven in many, many, many businesses that teams always outperform the individual. Always. Um, mm -hmm. And I can go into a heap of different, you know, avenues of, you know, the negatives versus the positives. Um, and I'll, I'll go the first one, you know, that first one of dog eat dog in a, in a bad culture to, supportive and giving in a, in a, in a good cultural team. Um, and we can dissect that a little bit later as we go, but that's, I think it's, it's a, a good team culture is worth its weight mm -hmm. yep. every day of the week. Yeah. I would have it to throw whatever, mate, I would say that you made a pretty grand statement that it's team always beats an individual. I would, I can think of a couple of examples where, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest performing teams on the central coast is full of individuals doing it for themselves. I ask you this then. Do you I, think would, I would also suggest that I know individual agents within different teams that are extraordinarily high performing without a care in the world for what happens to the rest of the team. Yeah, but is that so does, it, does the team always beat the individual? 
and I said, it comes back to that, that comes back to their culture. If if you're in a high performing, like if you're in a mini team, that's a bad culture within a within a maybe a good cultural business. And that's unfortunately one rotten apple in a in a in a um, in a bunch, you know. Mm. Um, and I ask you this: rotten, what, apple, that, rotten apples making two million dollars a year worth of sales? In, yeah, is it worth their? But is it worth their? You know, their sales. The, what's the motivation yeah. for others to work? So with then I ask you this: it would that individual that's writing really good figures would he be writing more if you had a team around him? Well, would you be pretty happy writing two grand, two million com a year? Oh, I'm not saying I wouldn't, but it's, that's not the question. That wasn't the question. The question was: um, there's people. Being a sole uh, a, a sole agent writing two mil, and there's people writing two mil with people around them, right, and treating them like dirt. Well, that's a cultural thing. But would that one person is he totally solo? Is he doing it all himself, or does he have administration staff there to support him? Would he do more if he had more people directly around him, buyers, agents, and prospectors, and so? Would he do more, or she do more? Would they do more? That's a question. It's a very hard question to, to answer, and and, and I, I, it's, I've actually put that down. Mm. And I think it all comes down to the, the individuals, individual sort of culture within themselves. They may have that um, the, the controlling factor where they can't let things go, and for them, they're happy to do that. Albeit, good on them, go for it. Mm. And, and if they're getting a little bit of support from the team, it's still the team. That's helping them maybe with administration and photos and whatever, whatever. But if they're happy to do that, fantastic. But I honestly believe if that person was taught to run two or three people under them, they'd make another mil. They'd yeah. go from two to three, maybe four. Your initial thoughts, TL? I'm listening. I think you guys are doing bloody brilliant jobs, so keep on going. What yeah. I'm asking is, is it a question of money or is it a question of leadership? Because for the moment, we're talking, uh, what if they're making two meal? But hold on, I've seen team doing two meals. I've seen solo guys doing two meal. So it's it's is it money? Is it leadership in, in that regards? And, and then really, are we really saying that uh, we have to decide between team or individual? Well, or, I think or, should, sorry, or, should it be, or should it be something that depends on circumstances? I think the other issue, Cam, is those teams that have those high-performing agents that are by themselves, the owners of those business are really held to hostage sometimes because they're not creating any new superstars and not bringing people off the bench into the game to, to start create creating that next generation of you know, top performer. Um, and that's where sometimes even leaders sort of come unstuck. You're saying, it's great to have these superstars and we, they're making this money. It's great. They're getting rewarded. The owners are getting rewarded and the team's thriving. But that can only have a short lifespan. Yeah, because what happens if those one or two or four people leave? Then who, exactly, Chris, who's... There's who's a conversation for leadership. But the, the, the initial topic was bore out of salesperson thinking, right? That's so what, what I'm getting at... So with salesperson my as a salesperson, how does a young guy... So what I'm saying, Cam, in that, what I was getting with that conversation was, as a young salesperson coming into that office with two or three top performers that do it by themselves, you've not got that, um, you know, that, that uh, ability to go out with them and sort of start to learn from them. 
they're not taking you under their wing because they're so busy listing and selling, right? But if you're in a team of people where they create those pods and there's a culture of giving and teaching and sharing, those new salespeople, I think, will flourish a lot quicker. Yeah. So I, I, what, I see is, what I see is young guys, especially guys, not only guys, but especially guys, come in and whether they've been in the industry for a couple of years or they're brand new, their sole focus is themselves. Their sole focus is the money on the board and their sole focus is what can I do for me in any given situation, any given situation, as from the very trivial to the very serious when it comes to dealing with clients. Now, what I'm, the question, the, the topic was born out of how does a new guy come into any situation without top performers or with top performers in a good cultural office or not a good cultural office in an industry that is solely focused reward is in money and huge sums of money, right? And I know Thomas, you said is it about money or leadership, but the, the mindset of these people who are all about themselves is a money mind is, is in their head about money, right? Yeah. All for me, none for anybody else. So regardless of how good the leadership is, regardless of the culture in the office, regardless of how generous the office or the business is as a whole, I still see people in it completely for themselves. Now, as I said to you, I see huge teams of people where every individual is in it for themselves and that gets bought out behind closed doors or when you when you lift up the covers and see what's really going on underneath. And I see other smaller offices where there's one or two giant performers who couldn't give a rat's ass about what's going on around them. So where is the motivation for a young guy who's coming in to not make it all about him because he sees all around him people just doing it for himself and winning. Mm. 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 Oh, again, how, how do you tell it? How do you tell a twenty-year-old guy that's not about the money, mate? It's not all about you. Because um, I think you got to look at too um, work-life balance, the whole work-life balance thing, and you know my thoughts are twenty-year-old doesn't give a shit about work-life balance. Twenty-year-old wants to be the best and right, tell everyone you, they're the best and have eighty-foot signs in the air that says I'm the best. They don't give a shit about work-life balance. Well, how do we help them? Cam, you, really you don't have to talk over Louise, number one, and you don't have to talk about yourself, right? So let Louise okay. answer for the rest of the year. I was just going to say, like, yeah, 20-year-olds clearly don't. I get that. But if they want to maintain a career in real estate, you want to work at that pace, I can almost put my life savings on it. You won't be doing it at 40, you know? So you've got to, you've got to look at having these goals and what motivates you and what gets you out of bed every day and you can still you can still essentially sorry money yeah of course of course but i i i think it's a dangerous way to be an agent these days you know um i think it's it as i said earlier i think many hands make light work and like chris said and chris made a very good point like you know if you're a, if you're a leader of an office and you have those and i'm not <laughs> they're not essentially 400 pound gorillas, but in the same sense, they can be or could be because they're calling the shots. Their leaders would be too scared to say anything other than whatever you want you get. Because if they're making that kind of money, you, you, you're hinged, you can't. You know? um, so it's a very dangerous, like as a leader myself, I would never allow that because 
I can't teach the younger people coming through everything. The, it, it comes from the experience of everybody else in the team and the different personalities and the, the, the different ways in which we can combine strengths and collaborations and, and things like that that we can learn from, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's a dangerous way to be. But anyway. I speak from uh, my personal experience. Uh, when I first joined that uh, office in Westminster Hills, the sun was a top performer and there were a few good performers and there was one or two losers uh, with a tie on, and Mickey Mouse on the tie. And I, I, my advice to people, now that we're talking as a salesperson, thinking whether it's a team or individual, you must, you must beat the top. You must beat the top. There is no, only when you have a voice, they will listen. So what I did was I just spent three months just to be the top. Not only I, I spent three months to be the top, I, I actually told the leader I was going to beat his top performer in the first month. But I only picked one area. Instead of giving myself a lot of areas, I said, just in listings, I'm going to double him. He was, uh, he was going for four listings, and I said, I'm going to go for eight exclusive listings, brand new in your team. And the only thing is I went out and I did what I was, to, what I was told, which is door knock. And, and I beat him. When I beat him, now the leader has to choose. He has to pick. Now, so again, I'm speaking from experience. I, I made a sale uh, that I negotiated on my day off. And I still remember I was up in the Hunter Valley and I said to the leader, do I have to come back to Sydney right now to do the exchange or can you wait for tomorrow? And the leader said, no, it can actually wait for tomorrow. While that happened, the son found out that I had the negotiation and I had to, that the price agreed to a certain price. He went and exchanged behind my bike with somebody else. So the next day I walked into the office and I learned about it. Well, I'm not the kind of guy that just sits down and when it's wrong, just to take it. I just gave it to everyone. I gave it to the leader and I packed up my, uh, this is my, my, my desk and I left. And this is my first month in that office. Anyway, my, my wife said, have a look. Uh, I've got a, a, a one-year-old one and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm about to deliver a second one. You better go back to work. It's none of that crap. So my real boss sent me back to work. So <laughs> when I went back to work, but from that minute onwards, the leader in the office knew this guy's got rules. He's got uh, what is right is what he goes by. You want to hold on to him? You're now going to have to do whatever is right because maybe your procedure is wrong. It's not right. So I, I think that the, the, the my first advice to salespeople is go in there, shut up, and work to get a voice because when you have a voice, you can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So don't go in and ask for this, can ask for that. Because yes, you're going to work in some offices and <laughs> we, we just got a guy coming to us and, and, and he, he said, well, any lead that normally came into our area would just go straight to the salesperson I, back in where I, I used to live, work. I said, no, it doesn't work like this here because that's not a system. Because when you do this, why the hell, how the hell does a new guy prosper? Mm. <laughs> He's going to go out. He's going to get open house. People is going to start working people. Oh, you work in 
her patch. You, you, you live in his patches. And I, I just have to give it, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a communist. I do not go to work, leave my wife and my children to pass leads over to others. And so if the rules in the office is already wrong, not fair, wrong, well, I'm, I'm out. So first, the, the first thing to do is, is this the right place? But you need to get a voice in order to change that. So not only I kick his son out of, the, out of business within two years, I, became, I took his position as a sales manager because I think, and that's the best revenge. You get to a, uh, to a level where your actions will set rules. Hmm. You touch, the, the bit you touched on, which is, is where I was trying to get to, is the bridge between working for yourself and working as a team is values. Right. I don't like the word revenge, TL. I'm sorry. I don't think we should be sending people out for revenge. Well, no, he took, took my sale. I never forget that. You take my <laughs> sale. I never forget it. Yeah. yeah, but that's so. In everything you said, what you did there, you didn't break any rules, and you did it the right way. So, how does someone come in or be in the industry for a long time and be their own business in the business like we tell them to be and be a team player? Values. Do everything the right way, whether and but it's not as simple as listings and sales and that stuff either. It's how you treat the rest of the office. It's how you talk to the people at the front desk. It's how you handle. It's how you act as a whole now. Because how many the problem? The problem, the scary thing about people acting as though it's all about them is at some point to keep it all about them, they're going to break a rule. They're going to break a procedure. They're gonna say, oh, I didn't know that you'd spoken to that guy. Oh, I didn't, didn't realize that, the, that um, we couldn't talk to buyers inside of seven days. I didn't, I didn't know this, I didn't do that. You're gonna start breaking procedures and then you might get away with one depending on the office you're at. But then what do you break to stay number one? Then where does it get to? You've got two competing offers from different agents, but it's all about you. So what are you telling your vendor? What are you telling your buyers? Right. Yeah, but you but you have to really have a voice, Cam. I'm I'm sorry. You, no, you, I agree with you. I agree with you. You gotta fight to be the best. You gotta fight to be the best. You get in there and you be the best. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent in everything. You want to be the best salesperson. You want to make the most money. You want to have the most listings and the most sales. One thousand percent. But the only way you can do it right is by sticking to the right values and the right culture. And whether that's the officer's culture. If you're, Chris said before, if you're in a bad office, it's all, all gloves are off and just hell for leather. No, you've got to have the right culture in yourself. So, so I got a great nickname and I got a great nickname and a horrible nickname all at the same time in my first office. Now that I think about it, and it was Honest Cam because they were calling me Honest Cam as a piss tape because I wouldn't lie to anybody or do anything wrong, and that became a joke. Oh, he's Honest Cam again. Imagine being in a place where being honest was cause for a bloody nickname. <laughs> but I think I think it all does come back to the culture and we can all think of officers, or I can certainly anyway, um, where the culture is is that they all hate the manager. That's the culture. And I'm not talking about officers in our network, of course, but I'm talking of, and I'm not necessarily talking about real estate, but sometimes if the culture's not set correctly from the top, the, the, the team create the culture, you know, and, and sometimes the team culture 
you know, that's what they band over is that they all hate the same manager or whatever. So I think it's very important. Yes, values, yes, and, and your own culture within yourself. But I think, you know, I think you look back over the years and, and the great experiences that I've had with leaders in my life and it, it, it I, you asked me why, what made them great. The only answer I can give is that they had culture. Then that's it. They just had, it was, yeah, like that was what it is. That's just one word to describe them and that's it. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is that when we go beyond culture, so sometimes you look at the culture closely and you go, there's no way someone's going to make money in this organization. Culture, no culture, right? Like I, I get a lead it and it's in Bato Bay. I have to give it to the guy who serves Bato Bay. In the meantime, he's there doing his nail, uh, having having long lunches, but I have to give him all the leads. I, I think it's wrong. I think you must break the culture. I think and, and this is when you must go individual. The first thing that I uh, always tell people when they first start first day of recruit training, you are in here in business for yourself. Yeah. You are leaving your wife, your children home to be working around people that you can't say you love. Mm. The first thing is that you ought to do everything you can right now to take whatever you can, extract whatever you can, and bring it home. If you're not, then already you're not a team player by your family. That is the definition to me of individual. Yeah. And then afterward, as a team member, you must make the place where you stand a better place. If the rules are wrong, you must change it. And the only way you can do this is have a voice. Mm. And, and I've gone through all this. So when we're talking about this topic, I have started in a place where they had no rules. They had cowboys and they had individuals. By the time I took over the uh, salesman, um, sales managerial position, we were a team. We had procedure manual and it was very clear. And, and every single time I asked people about procedure is if the procedure is not fair, I will change it. The procedure is not about looking after someone. It is always about being fair by the business. Mm. Well, you just came across though, Tio. You're telling it sounded like you're telling people to break the rule first before you question the rule. Go out there, take that lead, and do it, and then and get your money on the table. And I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't that's, say how, that. that's how it came across. No, I didn't say that. It's it's not even how it came across. I, mean, I know you're trying to push me, but. No, no. We, had, no, we had a business together. I would hate for someone to come in because I didn't like one of our procedures. No, no, no. I'm going to do it my way anyway. No, you go out there and you get listings the way that they say, but you get more than anybody else. Mm. Now you've got a voice. Now you can change things. Right? Mm. I'm not saying that you have to go and say, no, I won't do your stuff. And then, I, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, if, if the rules are impossible to play by, don't play that game. You, w w one of the things that I, I've read lately is when you go to war, never play the war by uh, using the other side's strategy. Yeah. yeah? So you, you have to use your own strategy, draw them into your strategy. And from my own experience, when you can end up your first month with eight exclusive listings, now everyone listens, even the leader, because the leader is sitting there and going, that's a lot of money. Mm. Now you got a voice. Now you can say, I think that's wrong. Mm. So like, for, exa like yeah. for example, the, the, one of the rules that we had in my office is that every time there, is, there was an inquiry, uh, 
we had to do the communist way. So you'd get one, then the next guy will get one, the next guy. And I'm thinking, hold on. If I spoke to every buyer here in the office, I have to make every sale. So I decided I'm going to talk to everyone. And when the, the leader got complaints, I told John one day, John, what is the number one complaint that buyers have? And he said to me, all right, just, just go to work. Because he understood it has to be right by the business. So your rule must be what's right by the business. When I hear things like, I had a guy, he just joined us and, and he said, well, you know, whatever leads come by, if it is in my area, it should go to me. I go, since when? And this is not communist area. So if you've done your work and I see that you've been in contact with that, that person, sure, I'll, I'll do that. But if you sat in, sat in the back of the, the, the car and enjoy the stereo, I'm not going to do this. So why? Because the business comes first. What are we teaching the business? To be lazy and be fed mm-hmm. or to be proactive and make things happen? Yep. So you moved into leadership a little bit, so I just want to close off on salespeople first. The, the first thing I think you need to realise as a salesperson is there's enough for everybody. You mm-hmm. really need to have an abundance mindset. You really need to understand that sales slides are free sales signs, right? That's the way, and, and and was one of the other leaders in our network who told me that early on because I used to hoard, mate. I used to freak out every time someone would show one of my properties. How dare you show my, take a buy to my house. It's my list. You know, I had this whole, I was the person that I wrote the topic about, right? Um, and the minute someone said to me, you realise once a house is sold that someone else is probably going to sell nearby, and I went, oh, shit. And all of a sudden it was a free-for-all. Everyone sell my stuff so I can go and find more. Yeah, but until you read, sorry, you're right. It was not so long ago, Cam, that you would have a new guy do your open house or show buys, and then the buy, the, the, the credit would still go to you. We're talking about leadership, not no, no, talking about salespeople. Well, leadership no, 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 but you just you just went to your listing. You just went to your listing. That's what I'm talking. So, but you were taught that, and I'm thinking, isn't that wrong? Because I'd sit there, and this is what brings me back to what I said at the beginning. If the rules impossible to play by, I'm I'm not there. Like, I'm not going to go into a gunfight and I just got a pocket knife. Mm. <laughs> I'd be stupid to do this. And so... I can tell you that as long as... It's been three, two and a half years since I've had anyone do an open home for me without getting paid for the result. So I can't tell you that. No, all I'm, have their points on the leaderboard. <laughs> all have their and, and, and so in terms of individuals... No, I, I believe that you need to have the courage to prove yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to have to stop talking like uh, people talk these days, which is I've got no right, I've got no voice, but you know what? Because I am, therefore it should be, otherwise we'll cancel you. No, no, no. Go out there, earn the right to have a voice. That's it. Earn the right. Yes, but do it the right way. That's all yeah. I'm saying. I think you're 100% spot yeah. on, mate. You need to go in and you need to be the best. You need to have that hunger. And one of the ways you can be the best is by understanding there's enough for everybody and in an office environment for a new salesperson. I'm trying to stop them, mate, go and be the best. I've spent my whole career trying to do it, not arguing at all, but it has to be done the right way. And that's where it gets scary when you're in an office environment where it is every man for himself. The temptation to do the wrong thing just once well, maybe if I just do this little thing wrong, I'll get away with it this time and you'll get the result and the money will go on the board. 
It's a bloody good incentive to keep doing it, isn't it? Now, from a leadership point of view, which is, of course, it can come. Oh, it comes down to leadership. What were you going to Sorry. say, Chris? Because I could see you were. I was going to ask and ask Thomas. You, you, you started in an office that was at, you, you admitted had a bad culture, right? You yeah. had no set of rules, right? So you had no option but to work your ass off and to earn a voice, right? Which makes sense in an office with a good culture. It's, it makes sense with either one. Do you think it'd be easier, and we're going into leadership in a minute anyway, but do you think it'd be easier for a salesperson coming into an office with a good culture who have a supportive nature around them, supporting them to be able to achieve um, achieve their goals, no? I, I, I just asked you this question. How many times have you seen kids who are born in a very stable and rich family and end up doing being a bum? Mm -hmm. How many times have you seen kids that are struggling see their parents struggle and have to fight and just build an empire? I think what, what the individual has to do is really to rely on himself or herself. Mm. I think that that's the biggest thing. I learned because before I started in, 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 uh, in, in real estate sales, I was insurance salesperson. And I learned from my first leader, if it is to be, it is up to me. It's up to me. And so I upskill myself. I, when, when most of those guys come, come in the office, came in the office at nine o'clock, I, I was in the office at 7.15 studying, upskilling myself. When most of those guys were looking at how, uh, how to hide the break, uh, lunch from me, because I used to steal everyone's lunch. That was the only thought I had uh, in terms of value. Maybe it was not good. Uh, mind you, there were a lot of fat guys. Therefore, I was looking after them and, and keeping them thin. But what, what I was really looking at is how, how do I just upskill myself to beat them? How, how do I just go out there and, and go beyond what they could be doing? And I think that that's what we need to be doing. Don't ask. What is it that they say when, when things get tough? Don't ask for things to get easier. Ask for you to become tougher. Mm, mm. No, and, and so you, if you upskill yourself, you, you, you will get there. The, the, I, I laugh. I, you put me in any office, I'll do this. However, as I said, don't be stupid. There are businesses where you're fighting with a knife when you start. It's not going to happen. I, I had I was working in an office where they said he's the area go and get it and I went and get it. Now so in some offices I hear of people being sent like something like lunch pack distance away from the office and that's the patch. And it was impossible for them to to make a living. I for me I go where it is easier. Okay, and then in terms of leadership. Where there is no leader, become the leader. You know, when it, when, I still have a problem. You don't like, like it. You don't like it. You don't like it. No, no, I love it. I mean, I started, uh, the office I started I had a very kumbaya culture, and most people say, oh, that's a good culture. Everyone gets along. Everyone everyone uh, looks after each other no one shows anyone there's a, there's a written unwritten rule that you weren't allowed to show anyone else's property for two weeks after that's the listing culture, though, but that's hang, on, culture. hang on hang on hang on hang on but yeah, yeah. everyone got along really really well mate it was a great culture except when i got there i was oh no he swore i was broke so i'm like to hell with that man i'm going to work and I ran and I ran and I ran. And that's one of my points here. I was looking after me. 
right? And if everyone wanted to be all hugs and kisses and 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 not show anything else, and that's that's was on them at the time. But I look back and I go, that was great for me, right? But what else? What else did it do to the team? And that's where I wanted to bridge the gap into leadership. And when we talk about four hundred pound gorillas and the we've we've seen, you know, we've we've been shown in in seminars what can happen if one person's making all the money and the rest of the team isn't what that does to a business right so where then is the line where where do you have to start thinking team tl as an individual and as a leader it's all right yeah yeah chris we're going to ask a question first uh, oh it's all good i, I was going to okay. say i was just going to say of course we've got to get to work there's no question like when i started real estate mate, it was six days a week I burnt the boats. It was going to be real estate. I was going to succeed, and it, and it was. And I, you know, there was three other agents in there, and they were bludgers. And one of them actually came to me and said, "You don't have to work this hard." Well, no, I do. Um, and I outperformed them within six months. So not within one month like Thomas, but it did take me a little while. But I worked my ass off. But I always feel, and I look back to that, that if I had an inclusive team that was like, "Mate, you do it this way," or "You do it why they won't make life easier," or if you get this and do it. A supportive team that showed me shortcuts, shortcuts for want of a better word. I think my journey at the beginning would have been easier. That, and that's where I disagree. That's where I disagree. I don't disagree. You've got to get your ass to work and grind and work your ass off. Um, and and there is exactly. there is credit in the struggle. I mean, there is credit in the struggle. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I do believe a supportive culture within a business will help the new team members flourish quicker. I don't agree. I don't agree. Beautiful. I don't agree. Like Chris, you look back and you went, "Oh, that would have been nice." But if you were going as hard as you said you were going, and I see this and I see it now, no matter how much advice you give and try and help someone, if it's all about them to start with, they won't listen to you anyway, and they're going to break their teeth on the they're going to break their teeth on their own mistakes, regardless of what the wise old heads tell them, right? So. It's easy to look back and say, oh, it would have been good for someone to give me advice. Would you have listened to it? But I started when I was a lot older, mate. I started when I was 38. So I think I would have. I started real estate late in life. So, yeah, I think I would have. No. Yeah, I, uh, where I disagree with you is exactly what I said earlier. There are families where the rich, the, the kids are comfortable. They've got everything they need, the latest iPad, the, always the latest stuff, and they just end up being bummed. Yeah. Right. And, and now there's also families where the kids are in a rich area and really blossom. So so it's about what what is it they it, that is inside them, you know, and, and I think that uh, in, in terms of individual, the fire must be within. Absolutely. That's when, so, when, when someone That's says to me uh, this in my business or this, how far I am from work or this and in my home or this in, in my leader, uh, I go, you're just pointing at things that are out there. Mm. Yeah, I have not heard anything that is pointing about what's in you. What is it that is defying you? I have one young guy, he, he worked in our, he, he's in our office. And when he first started with us, he was conscious, trying to just get our attention on the fact that he's, he's carrying a bag around him because he's diabetes and he's got this, he's got that. And I could see the bag was almost like his excuse. And he was trying to sell it to me. So I took him aside after week two or three and I said to him, 
you know, one day I can see on stage speaking and what you're going to tell them is I had diabetes, but I still decide to win. And you could see the light go, go on in his head. And, and now the, the, the kid is doing crazy stuff. And so I think the fight is within. Mm. Now, to work as a team, you can instigate the team. When I, I have to say this, that when I first started around John, there was no team. It was a business where the leader was surrounded by gorillas. Within the two years I was there and became a manager, we had a team. Yes, I had to move on the, we had to euthanize the uh, gorillas. We, 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 we had to make sure that we, we, we get like nice animals around and, and we, we build a team, but you have to do it. And I, and I have no problem doing that, why? Because team always comes first. Mm. Why would you do that to you? Four, 400 pound gorillas, that's 1600 pounds, that's a lot of cash. Because yeah, but it doesn't matter if you if you're going to be living by the value of money, then money is not a very good girlfriend. I have to say to you, money is a very very bad uh, girlfriend. But you have the leader. Right? But if but if you don't care about money, money is a very jealous girlfriend. She she wants to chase you. So what you have to do is to focus on on work. Now, if I have gorillas, I get rid of them because when I've seen it over and over in my entire career, and I've been in real estate now, what is it now, 27 years, and I've seen, seen teams when the gorilla leaves, the entire team grows. It's almost like when you remove the large tree, mm. you realize that it was the shade that it took away from the other trees around. Yeah. Does your gorilla have a weight limit though, TL? What's the, and I'm sick, I don't like talking about money, but I'm going to keep talking about money. Someone's bringing your business in $2 million a year. Yeah. You, the rest of your team is doing I will remove money. the gorilla any day, any day. $10 million. $10 million. M money, it should not be the issue. The day. If you are, then you will have zero business long term. So, if you are a leader who's thinking of retiring in the next three years, maybe you look at maintaining and controlling the, the gorilla, right? But if you are a leader who's, a, who's really understanding, my young Kane, he's, he's, he's 20. I have to look after him. The, 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 the Reese, he's, he's 25. I have to look after him. I, I can't get a gorilla decimate that team then I must do something by the team. And I think that that's the, what, what you see day in, day out in things like uh, uh, Master and Commander where, 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 where the captain had to cut the rope and, 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 and sacrifice one person. You, you see movies like in The Gladiator where you, you, the, the, the leader has to make these kind of decisions. Happens all the time. The only thing is the leader, the minute that he's thinking money, he's not thinking team. So now, if he's not thinking team, there's no team. Mm. So he's he, so we've gone to the very top of leadership, where in leadership we still work for ourselves sometimes rather than working for the team. But in the instance that you've just suggested, by getting rid of the gorilla for the good of the team, it's actually comes back around to working for yourself because you're going to be able to retire quicker sooner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that the uh, people, the team that are the 
the people who are holding on to gorillas, when you look, they have a hidden agenda and the hidden agenda is, you know, I'm about five years from retirement. If I can just hold on to it, I'm, I'm making money out of it right now. I, I think it's a, it's a disgrace by the juniors that are in there. Mm. Uh, and and I, the question I always ask is, what if those juniors were your children? Mm. Oh, well, I wouldn't do that. Oh, but uh, because they're not yours, but they're part of your team. And I thought that your team is a family. You still allow that. So I, I think that those leaders with double standards will always pay. They always end up paying the price. Mm. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Right. So a leader with a leader with bad culture, Thomas. Do you think they've realised that their team's got a bad culture? Do you think they're aware of that? It's a good question. Excellent question. Uh, I think that yes and no. Uh, I think if your makeup is uh, is that you work on greed, you're not good enough is driving you to get more and more and more to fill the void of not feeling not good enough then greed is not going to do that because it's about you first. Mm. And so it's, it's as long as you, you, you're getting it's fine. Uh, if you are the other side, you will feel it. Now, the problem is that when what you don't really understand is that the, the, your behavior doesn't just affect the team. It affects everyone who lives around you, your family. You go home, you behave the same way. You don't even know you behave the same way. When, when, when you go home and... Uh, and, and you're the leader who's just looked after one gorilla. When you go home, you actually looked after one person. And if that one person is not worthy of you, you look after yourself. You know, and, and this is when I see in some families where the father, he doesn't give a shit about the daughters. He just wants to look after the boys. Or he looks, or, or the mother who only looks after one child, that, that little daughter that she has. And, and, and the other child or the other children can go and get lost because that child is her little doll, you know? So you see all that stuff happening all the time and, 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 and that is nothing else but the same trans, that transpire in business. Yeah. Well, I think, Chris, how people disguise results for culture. Like you're saying, will, will people with a disguise or culture... Hey? Or they, don't have, they disguise or they mistake. They don't understand the difference. No, they, yeah, they, they, they mistake. As long as the bottom line, as long as the bottom line is where the bottom line needs to be, and again, we're on this. I've got a good culture because they're making the money, they're getting the results, and blah blah blah. But what we find in those sort of businesses or those sort of leaders, the minute that something changes, it's outside of their control, like a shift in the market. The culture all of a sudden doesn't exist because the bottom line is has moved. Now, right. So, I think we throw around the word culture too uh, too easily without fully understanding what it is. Right? Culture is not your profit. We we can't look at businesses and go, they're making money. They've got a good culture. They can't look at business and go, oh, they've got two performers or one performer making a couple of million dollars a year. They must have a good culture, right? That's not the that's not the point because when things shift, that's when your culture gets found out through good and bad. I know that. You know, I get asked all the time, um, oh, gee, how is it out your way? It's tough down our way. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it's great out our way. There's plenty of people listing, plenty of people selling. Life's good. And that's the mindset and that's the, and everyone's doing everything the right way. So if you ask me about culture and it's nothing to do with profit, I think we've got a pretty bloody good one. Others are in the same market, losing people hand over fist, 
people doing the wrong thing hand over fears, but it coincided with the change in the bottom line. All of a sudden, culture, maybe not. So are you saying, and I'm, I'm, this is more of a question than a statement, if, if, if someone has got good staff retention, um, longevity, and their profitability is very good, ultimately, looking from the outside, it should be a good culture, right? You would think. Oh, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily, okay. Not necessarily. Good, good staff retention could mean that people are just happy to have a job. <laughs> if they've got good profitability, I mean, if they're, if it's they're very profitable... Good. Very good question. Uh, it's a very good question. I think to me, uh, a good business is gauge on how fast they can get someone who got no idea into becoming a top performer. That's a good business. A business that is retaining top performers could be taken hostage by two mafiosi. Mm. Mm. Right? So, or, or five mafiosi. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking two for the sake of it. So it's it. I've seen offices where the retention is high. Why? Because when you're new, you had to pass over the leads. Yeah, yeah. You're feeding the, the the top gun. You've got no idea. But when I see an office when someone starts and within a few months they at the top of of the tree in terms of listing, now that's a top office. Mm. Now that is a, a, a an office where there's leadership. And I'm starting to see more and more of that. You know, I, I, I just employed a guy who said to me, you know, I've got a few guys who want to join. And I said to him, just tell them next. And he said, but, but they, they don't want calling me and they, they want to know. I said, next. This is how we are here. That's how we behave here. And, and, and I think that for, for myself as a leader, I must set the tone for sure. Deep inside, I'm thinking, oh, what if, what if it is a $2 million performer? You always have those kind of moments. But then what I always use is, in the end, they will treat you the way they treat their worst enemy. If, if, if they really hurt the other leader to join you, they will do the same when they leave you. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if, and then you have to also look at uh, how do you want to, uh, your parents to be treated? Well, in a nice way. Well, you, then you treat the other person in a nice way. So I think it's about monkey see, monkey do. Listen, man, I, I have had people who would want to join me straight away, but you just have to bite your tongue and you have to say no, you have to push back. And yeah. Why? And, and maybe sometimes it is protecting the, the, the other offices and, and, the, and uh, maybe sometimes it's a loss. But in the end, I go, are we doing the right thing? And that's more important. I think leadership is so, so crucial. You can't become a team until we, we have a leader. And, and this is why we're talking about leadership now. There is no team unless there is a leader. There's a bunch of red bags. There's a bunch of mercenary without leadership. And they can still make money. They can still do well. But at what cost? You having a heart attack? You're, you're destroying other kids uh, along the way? I think it's a disgrace. Mm, mm. Isn't that something you said, Thomas, in one of our seminars as well? You can't call yourself a leader without a team as well. Isn't that something you said? Am I, am I remembering that rightly? Yeah. Um, you, know what? you can't call yourself yeah, a leader without a team. Because, you know, you can always manage yourself, but if you can't manage other people, you know. Um, but... Um, 
Sorry, yeah. But what is a team? A team is not a bunch of individuals. Exactly. Yeah. A team is a bunch of individuals who are in agreement to run and live by the procedure manual from the office. Mm. That, mm. That's the... Uh, I get that before. You can run and fight to be the best all you want, but if you're doing it against your teammate or you're doing it against your leader or you're doing it against that procedure manual, then that's where the, that's where the line's got to be drawn. Now, let, let's ask about uh, ourselves another question here. Uh, how, how come it is impossible to have a team sometimes? I'll start by saying the first thing, right? There's no way you have a team when the leader doesn't understand the value of training. There's no team. Yeah. I have done this for long enough, long, long enough. When I see a leader not valuing training, I see zero team, no chance. Mm. Mm. And I don't care. I forgot. I didn't know my team is sick. No chance. We got a, the uh, leader doesn't. We got, a, we got a lead the other day. We got a lead the other day from an agent from another brand in our area, in our area. And I know that office, and I know someone else who works in that office. And there's six or seven agents in that office, all commission only, who would have gladly taken the one point eight million dollar lead at Shelley Beach. Oh. But wow. someone from a different brand gave it to us. So is there something to be said for you? You can't have a team if your structure is wrong. If you've got seven commission-only agents sitting in the one office where they're completely, and the owner's just sitting there taking 20% or 30% or 40%, whatever the split is, is it possible to have a team in that environment? Well, I'm thinking this lady's talking on the phone. I'm going, why the hell? Like, love you, but why the would you be giving this to us? Yeah. What? 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 No, I, I blame that bit out. Myself bloat. That's how good. That's how. good. That's how good that office is going. Right. That's terrible. So there's there's an office that's clearly, mate. I, I don't even understand it because, but. Is that down to the structure of the office structure, the, the business setup, rather than yeah, no trust? There's absolutely no trust. There's no, there's no, trust no loyalty. The there's no loyalty. And that comes down from the leader. The leader's not trusting his staff, so the staff doesn't trust the leader. So in that office, there's clearly no culture, and they don't work as a team. There's they... always culture. There's all. There's always culture. Oh, you get course. culture from chiefs, it's right? Good culture. There's culture. But it's terrible, terrible culture. But she has a ten percent referral fee, so she couldn't look over and go, "Listen, I don't even like you, but for ten percent, you can have this listing instead." Exactly. Want to give it to us? I want to give it a twenty. So they, they're, they're, so they're probably using the the fact of having seven or eight offices under the one umbrella to look like a team, but they're not a team at all. Agents in the one office. There's only one office. Yeah. There's eight agents. They're all commission owned. Yeah, but within the within the same office, under the one umbrella. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the rule book, the rule book yeah. in that office is wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Obviously, she yeah. won't get a referral fee for referring to someone within that office. So the rule book within the office is wrong. Mm. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Is the setup of the office. That's the question I was asking. Is the structure of the, 
she's smart. She made more by giving it to Cam than her own offer. No, <laughs> she's done because she's given us twice as much. But anyway, um, and he still would have given it to her. But yeah. Here's another question because we're now coming close to our end. But here's another question. How, if I was a brand newie, how do I know if I'm going to be around a, a top leader? Because I think speak to the staff members before you even go for the interview. Give them a call. Okay, that's one. Most of their phone numbers are on the bloody internet. Mm. What about you, Ken? I this this might be very superficial, but I think you can judge a lot by the interview. Yeah. This I see. I've done a, I've done a lot of interviews lately, and a, and a few of them have stopped me and said, "Shit, I've, I've never been asked these questions before ever." And I'm like, well, what if, have you interviewed at other real estate officers? Yes. Well, what did they ask you? How old am I? What have I done in the past? And who are your references? Well, I think if you're not getting challenged in your interview, you're probably not heading into a right spot. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay. Good point. Not yeah, the answer you want to be, or you're saving up for it, mate. I didn't want to steal all your answers to you. That's I'll right. tell you what, you can you're right, Cam, there. You can tell a lot from the interview on both sides, yeah? On, on both sides. I can't have an interview. I, I've been around leaders, mate. They talk the talk, they never walk it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I've sat around leaders who may, oh, mate, 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 I'm never sick, mate. I always say train, mate. And I know you never train and you're never there. Mm. Okay? Mm. So I know you're lying to me already, but it, it, it works with a lot of people. So I, I, I disagree to that. You can't. There's guys that are very good at interviews. Mm. You, know? you can go down the lines of, well, oh, they, they do what they say they're going to do. But in, in your instance, TL, or, or to some extent my instance, like you're relying on telling people that no one's ever going to see you list eight properties in a month again, right? So they've got to trust in the fact that you have and you did. Mm. So leading by example is one thing, but how, does, how do we judge that? when we're, we're leaders and we... No, I, I don't think you, you can because eight was my first month. The, my best month was 19 exclusive listing. So eight was my first month. No, well, I believe you, mate. I'd never doubt you. But don't have, you, don't, you don't, people don't have to believe me. What, what I think that people need to do, it's a very, very good question. You can, you can believe one lie, but you never believe every lie. Yeah. So, around someone long enough you can see a pattern and you can see whether there's a lie you 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 know i i keep on saying to him catch me once where i've lied once just once i give you 100 of the business you tell me you could sing <laughs> but he's there if he thinks he can personally believe this is how you see the quality of a leader look at his family yeah the family will tell you everything about the leadership. But a new staff member won't be able to see that, though, Thomas. But they no, they will, because after a few months, when they're around, they, they will see it. The, the, other thing, the, the other thing that they need to see it, so I'm answering now your question, look at how fast they're grooming their performers to flying on their own. My, my, my biggest dream is how fast Kane's going to fly. How fast Ree's going to fly. That's my biggest dream. When, when, when you've been around me 20 years and all you're doing is still selling, it's not so good. 
He's well, left me out of his dreams. That's bloody you're hell. too heavy to fly, mate. Nightmare. You're in his work on round. No. That's yeah. a bloody good point. Look at this. I said fly. All right. <laughs> no way you can fly. You need to look at yourself. I'm a blimp. Yeah. <laughs> you're still running fast, but. <laughs> Flat mother trucker, flat. I think no. I think I think Thomas is onto something. If you're doing your research, look a couple of levels deep. Don't look at what the top performers are doing. Yeah, exactly. Look if there's anyone else on realestate.com with any sales next to their name. Look at you know everyone knows someone, especially like where we are on the Central Coast. Everyone knows someone who knows someone who's in real estate, right? And you'll go, oh. Sansa has been doing it for four years. Hang on, I'll have a look. What? They've got no sales and no listings. No chances are they do. It just wasn't given to them. So yeah. look, look deeper than what the top people are yeah. making. Look, how, the they, look how, they, how they talk to their receptionist is a good clue. I mean, because we did say going into an interview, um, you know, how many times have you heard, yeah, just the way they talk to their front of staff, you know, it's... Um, I'd also suggest going back to you, if you think Cam would be... Don't be scared to ask them a lot of questions. If you're the salesperson going for the job, arm yourself with some good, solid questions, and, um, things that may frazzle the normal person. Something like, if you were to give feedback, how would you prefer to give that to a, a, one of your staff members? Or how would you prefer to receive feedback? Something they've got to stop and think and see their answers. I've got a better one, mate. I've got a better one. And I, I might have stolen it from someone's book. I might have read a couple of times recently. <laughs> sit, down and ask me, sit down and ask me what I'm going to do for you. Like, sit down in my interview and go, I, I say, oh, so why do you want to be in real estate? My interview, my interview was a, a shambles, but the, the start of it was perfect. Someone asked me, so, so Cam, why real estate? I said, I don't know. You called me. Tell me why real estate. And... <laughs> Well, I was, and God's honest truth, that was the answer I gave because I didn't know I, my, my real estate story is a pretty funny one. But, um, mate, the day someone sits down in front of me and says, don't worry about what I can do for you, what can you do for me, you're going to have my attention, right? Yeah. And if, if, and if the person you ask a question to can't answer it, there's a pretty bloody good sign. Mm. That's what I'm saying. If if that person, if there's if the prospective employee salesperson has those arms themselves with those few good questions, and I get a very good feeling at that interview, I reckon. Mm. Listen mm. to your gut. Yeah. T L and I together have given some people a hard time in some interviews, right? Because depending on where we're at and what questions we feel like asking. But I reckon if someone walked in there and said, hang on, you two. How about you tell me what you're going to do for us? I reckon both of us have nearly fall off their chairs. Yeah. No, no, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> well, that's because you're sitting on the ground. I've done, I've done way <laughs> 4,000 interviews, man. I can tell you, mate, there's not another question where they can catch me. Has um, anyone ever asked you that to you, honestly? Because I'm so sick of hearing I like houses. I no, just... Because, because before they sit in front of me, they're already trembling. So most of the time, the questions are very, very easy on me. No. <laughs> No one's come out with a silly question because the minute they do, the, I, I give them those kind of uh, Yoda kind of eyes and they go, maybe. <laughs> I, interviewed, I interviewed someone last week and she said to me, oh, I just want to help people. I said, no, you don't. That was my straight out of my mouth. Yes, I do. I just want to help people. I said, there's so many better ways of helping people in real estate. Go and start with What are you doing? 
No, I honestly want to help people. I'm like, listen, you don't. I've already, I've already interviewed five people who've told me they like houses and they want to help people. Anyway, 30 minutes later, she wants to help her dad and her brother pay the bills at the house and do all this stuff. She went home and she said to her dad, he told me I was full of it. And her dad said, you ring him and tell him you'd love a job there. And she did. And uh, that she's going to start with us in the next couple of weeks. But yeah, thank awesome. you. And uh, we, we've got someone doing uh, building tipis or, or uh, <laughs> outside Louis' uh, place. I mean, it, it's nice. When you what? have an acres, you can do anything you want next to the house. Now, Steve, I cover on the bird. It's 6.16 now. I just wanted to say to uh, people who may be listening and who have listened that we have uh, picked the winner for this week. The uh, one. Yeah, the, the, the person's going to be joining us um, uh, for for a very nice lunch at China Doll. You said they got cut off. No one answered you last week. And uh, the people who problem with your procedure manual it keeps changing. Some, <laughs> and some of the people uh, got invited by me, so they, there's going to be quite a few friends tomorrow. I think. <laughs> what, what are you going to say? Are you going to say, Cap? Uh, it's not going to sweat, yeah, there's something wrong with this sound. What did you say? <laughs> hey, you have a lot of carnal knowledge. Internet's pretty bad here, like the drainage. <laughs> now, the only the only thing that I have said to uh, those people who've been in, uh, invited, don't stitch them up. Hey, listen, that tomorrow at twelve o'clock when when we there, um, stab you in the thigh with a fork. You you. You can't feel sorry for Cam because if you did feel sorry for Cam, you'll never be invited back. Because that means, yeah, that means that you're, 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 you want him to continue the, the behavior. We, we would like him to get rid of the behavior. I mean, it's unfortunate we have not heard a... Uh, we, he actually almost let slip one. No, it? I didn't. No, I did it on purpose. But that's, you know, people try and stitch up. I don't ask you to feel sorry for me, people. I ask you to feel sorry for my wife and starving children. Because every dollar, every dollar that, that goes—it's Isaac's birthday in six weeks—and every dollar that bill goes up is one less spoke on his new. Okay, Kim, so, we'd believe um, if they were starving if you would slip. That's <laughs> that's what I feel sorry for for Isaac because that's uh, that's what his dad does: uh, spending all his toys money to uh, to strangers, and I I really feel bad for Isaac in that respect. But you know. I feel good because we made and you're showering us with gifts and food and drinks. Tomorrow. I was really upset. Lou couldn't be there. I'm, I'm sure you're devastated. I haven't slept for a week, Lou, I promise. <laughs> I'm going to get Scott Matthews to fly up, pick you up, Lou, and bring you down. That's so you can come and join us. <laughs> well, you've got family, don't you? You've you got I your family there. I do. I have my family here from the Sunshine. You dressed up the tent outside. They're sleeping outside? Yeah, I put them in the birdcage. Yeah, no, that was Steve covering the pigeons. Um, but yeah, no, I do. Pigeons. I have, yeah, pigeons. They're really good, slow cooked. Yeah, lunch. Slow lunch. A bit of lemon, beautiful. Not these ones. Not these ones. So, yeah, but anyway. As you know, to, uh, next week is our uh, um, what is it? Our first, uh, no, no, our first of September one. Yep. And so the week after we're going to be off because we're having a leadership seminar. So this is why the next podcast is going to be on leadership.
what is it that we think leadership is in uh, real estate? Um, and, and I think uh, some of our salespeople who are listening are really going to be thinking about, all right, why should that concern me? Well, if you're aspiring to be a leader one of these days, it should concern you. And, and, and I think that that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, I don't know, should we decide next week about uh, who to invite for the following lunch? Is, I'll tell is, you what leadership isn't. It isn't trying to send your mates broke over some rule that changes overnight like that and then setting it up. That's not leadership. That's being an asshole. He so. just... He just oh. <laughs> no, we're allowed to say that. No. Everyone, <laughs> oi, you know the thing about assholes? Everyone's got to have one. No, <laughs> Everyone's <right>. got one. <laughs> well, do, do you see how leading we... See how leading we are on him? <laughs> we, we, we just we want to look after you, man. Do you see how, how much we let you off, man? It's just amazing. Anyway, tomorrow we're going to uh, order probably one of each on the menu. And we probably going to have... That's the wine list we're talking about. No, the, the wine, the wine we, we're going to go easy. We, uh, we, just remember, we, mate, there's four of them, and I can't do four if we're going stupid every time. So I'm up into it. <laughs> Hey, there's a big hole in the backyard. I've got to fill. You control yourself, <laughs> then you'll be. I fine. reckon we get if someone gets the four, they pay for one. It's, so you got to build up. If you get four, the carry on. What about the carry on? I swore three times on the side. You get to avoid it, Chris. Hey? You know what? Chris is watching tomorrow what we're eating, Cam. And this he's is only coming to get out of prospecting. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Now I've invited quite a few friends tomorrow. We, we're gonna we're gonna be good. You you will not be lonely, okay? We Scott we are we're all going to support. So <laughs> you're gonna feel the support. Now uh let's close this session here with uh, a bit of advice or, or our one liner if we can. Great Good job. Well done. Good job. <laughs> okay. We can't do it in one line. She's no chance. Oh, no. Because you came up with a subject this week. We will close. So let's start. I'll start. And, and my start is very simple. Start as an individual. Earn the voice. All right. The right to build the right team. That's my. Mm -hmm. Chris. Pretty weak. Um. Bloody hell, you're putting on me on the spot. Um, train, tra train. New salesperson, train. Tra train like you, yeah, there's no tomorrow, train. If you're by yourself, train by yourself, but train. Mm. I like it, I like it. Mm. Yeah. Don't, don't tell them my secret, man. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think, Thomas, you hit the nail on the head. If it is to be, it's up to me. And that's the mindset you should begin with. And that's the mindset you should end with. Um, uh, because, yeah, if, yeah, you can, you can join it. I'm going to stop because Cam's giving me the roll eye. But no, I'm trying to condense what I want to say into one line. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, this is what I'm Thomas trying to say. is uh. wrong. What? <laughs> no, that's it. If it is to be, it's up to me. And if you have that mindset, you can't be blaming or, or, or using excuses. There you go. But by the way, before he closes off uh, your office, I love it, Lou. Oh, thank you. I love it. it what, what a beautiful atmosphere. And, and um, 
when when I when I love to not just look at the team, I love to feel the team. And uh, I thought it was stop. Now you're gonna close, big man. I forgot what I was gonna say. How many paper clips you got in your office, Lou? Wouldn't have a clue. I need them to hold a TV together in our office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how much he's clipped so well. More than paper clips. Let's put it that way. Go, Cam. Go. Uh, Google got rich by helping as many people as humanly possible. Focus on that and the rest will take care of itself. Good advice. Nice line. Thanks, guys. Very good. Chris, see you. Uh, Lou, I'm so sorry you couldn't join. Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> Bye.